Gabriella. She finishes by saying, I love my story and I love this church. Could I just say I do too? And I have received dozens of stories this week and I can't wait to tell them just like that wonderful family. And they are here in our church and we love it. Stories are such powerful things. And we have been on this series of talking about for our streets and for our stories as well. And have I got a story for you that happened to me? I think I could almost do it in 100 words or less. A week ago Saturday, a week ago last Saturday, along with some others in our church, we decided to go old school and knock on doors in a wonderful neighborhood not too far from here where a number of our members already lived. I had my eye on that neighborhood because we had some good folks live there, and they are a cool little neighborhood. And we were just going, me and some others, door to door, handing out info on the church, just inviting people if we should catch them home to Uh, come to church. Well, this is funny because word got out. And you know, I noticed when I was knocking on doors that those new doorbells, those ring doorbells, they have cameras on them. Have y'all seen that? Some of y'all maybe have those. Well, word got out that me and some other people were in the neighborhood and this created quite the stir. Someone posted a picture of me. Let's check this out. And someone in our church sent it. Did, there's me walking away from a door. Did anybody here have any door-to-door salespeople this morning? Our security camera noticed this man, that's me, walking away from our house around 10 a.m., never knocked, hopefully because he saw the sleeping baby sign. I think I did see that. So now I'm like not just a preacher, I'm a creeper preacher. And, <laughs> and boy, we had some others there, and boy, it was really getting posted. But then our members got on the thing and said, hey, that's my, our preacher, that's our church. And everything was going good, and all this was going on unbeknownst to me. But here's part B of the story. I was almost done with the day, and then came the dog. (laughs) I had just knocked on the door at the end of a cul-de-sac, and no one was home, so I left some information at the door, and I turned around to leave. And as I turned around to leave, the man opened the front door, and he came out. But guess what else came out with him? Bruno. Some she-wolf dog, I'm telling you. I think he was trained to chase off Jehovah's Witnesses. This is what I think. Maybe Protestant pastors, because in my conversation, this guy grew up Catholic. You know, the Apostle Paul said, I bear on my body the marks of Christ. I bear on my body the marks of Bruno, because before I could flip around, that dog had come out and bit me on the back of my leg. I, I got the teeth bites to show you. Now, I hesitate to tell this story because I'm really encouraging you to be for your street, and I just talked all of you out of it. That's not my intent. It really wasn't. I'm I'm telling you, it's worth the risk. But then I went on up. I didn't realize it was too bad. I I knocked on a couple of doors, and then I felt something stinging on my my leg. I pulled up my pants leg, and there's some blood. So I went back down. This, This dog has his shots. We had a Part B conversation. So we have like a Canines for Christ program here, but that's not what I had in mind. And here's the best part, because this is a great neighborhood. They are very welcome, other than that Bruno dog dude. Uh, You just can't make this stuff up. Guess who is hosting that same neighborhood's upcoming HOA meeting? We are right here on our campus. Hashtag no dogs allowed. That's all I'm kind of. That's all I'm saying to you. 
I love it when we can partner. We are literally for our street. I have shed my blood for streets. And it's, I'm just claiming that somewhere, sometime, somehow, not only that guy, but other men and women in this wonderful community will come and other communities will come and, and share. Now, we've been taking some time to uh, meet our neighbors in the sections we're living in. I hope you're enjoying that. And we, we want to do that again tonight. So I'm going to have you just stand up and turn to the person next to tell me your name. And then I want you to tell them if you have a dog story. It doesn't have to be like mine. Maybe you're the people who bit. I don't know. But stand up. Just take a second. We only got two minutes. Stand up, tell them your name. A dog story. Maybe tell them the name of your dog if you got a dog. Go ahead and do that for just a second. Somebody told me they not only got bit in the leg, they got bit on the butt. I'm telling you, so it could always be worse. Well, we are learning about 3D living, living for our streets, loving our streets. It means in this series we've talked about developing friendships, and I hope you're doing that with your neighbors, people you work with, people you play with, people where you shop. Number two, discover stories. That was last week, and boy, I've got a story, and I've been telling everybody about my story. And then discern tonight is discern next steps. Once you kind of meet some people, make a friend, find out their story, then I want to encourage you to guide them, discern and decide what's the next natural step for them. And I want to show you a passage that I think I've preached on before. It's a perfect example of this. All three of these steps are actually seen in a guy named Zacchaeus in Luke 19. Anybody here that is... Uh, Small in stature, Zacchaeus is your man. Uh, you probably know his name, and it, it's, it is important to understand this is not a, a height sermon, okay? Whether you're short, whether you're tall, it applies to everybody, no matter who your neighbor is, even if they got a dog, okay? It applies. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. By the way, he is always passing through. He's always on the way to somewhere for him. And he's always on the way to somewhere with you. He was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. Now those two go together, chief, tax collector, and wealthy. Because tax collectors only collect, it was a well-paying job, but they, they extorted people. So they had extra money. Not only was he a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. He's the tax collector of tax collectors. So it's not surprising that he was wealthy. He's also hated. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he has some uh, vertical challenging issues, okay? I, I love to meet people, all shapes and sizes, all manner uh, of male, female, and I just love it when people uh, uh, describe their life in the way that they, are, they look which is very unhealthy, by the way, to kind of say, I'm just a short guy, I'm just a tall guy, I'm just a fat guy, I'm just a skinny guy. Uh, a lot of us are chasing a number in our life. It occurred to me the other day, the number might be weight, the number might be a salary, the number might be a year. We're, we're, we're all chasing some kind of number. And some of that is good to have goals, but never let who you are in Jesus' eye, who you are in your eyes, define you by, by who Jesus says you are. But he was short, and I find this amusing that Luke wrote this. Luke, the doctor, uh, says this is the quality of the guy. He was short. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, so he is anticipating now, and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Can I just ask you a question? This guy's a very prominent politician, chief tax collector. He's short, but yet he humbled himself to climb up a tree, which I don't know when the last time you climbed a tree is. 
your kids probably do, it's not as easy as it looks the older you get. It's easy to climb a tree when a dog's chasing you. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, I wonder if you would have done that, if you would have gone to that length to see Jesus come by. When Jesus reached the spot, I mean, Jesus walking on the road, and you know, he's not, his eyes are not only down, he's looking up. He sees. He looked up, stops, and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Let me stop that there. Notice he's never met him. He's on his street. He's on his road. He's got a sycamore tree, but he called him by name. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, uh-oh. That guy there, he knows my name. Do you know what? I may not know your name, but he knows your name. You may not even know your name of your neighbor yet, but Jesus knows the name of your neighbor. He calls him by name. That's kind of an uh-oh moment. He knows your name, which means he knows your pain. He knows your past. He knows your potential. He knows all the things that you wanted to do that you haven't done yet. He knows what you did last night. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. It's uh-oh. And I've noticed that before you can have an aha uh-huh moment, you have to have an uh-oh moment. Uh, before you understand grace, you've got to understand sin. And so Zacchaeus has a lot of stuff, a lot of guilt, a lot of weight. Zacchaeus, he says, come down immediately. And I love this. I must stay at your house today. Great things happen when you go to people's houses on your street. Great things. He's going to someone's house, talking to them is a powerful thing. I wonder what, what do you just have to like to dip in on the conversation with Zacchaeus and Mrs. Zacchaeus? Hey, honey, um, I've been up in this tree, and uh, I was just wanting to see this dude Jesus come by, but he called me out, and he said he's coming over to dinner tonight. Okay, bye. Okay, I just wonder how that, how that went. I must stay at your house today. So he got, came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Good things happen when you do something at once. When, when you feel led to make a decision, to make a move, do it at once. Don't, don't let Satan talk you out of it. Because here's the way the devil works. He doesn't say there is no hell or heaven. Sometimes he just says there is no hurry. And if he can talk you out of deciding, he's got you where he wants you. Well, all the people, verse 7, saw this and began to mutter, which is the line we've been hearing all through this, Jesus, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. As if they're not. <laughs> they, again, they just couldn't believe Jesus is hanging out with this riffraff people. Like a tax collector too. But Zacchaeus stood up. <laughs> Even when he stood up, he might not have been able to been seen. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. So evidently there's been a conversation happening here. Jesus has befriended him. He's developed a friendship. He has had a told story, or Zacchaeus has told his story, and now there's some next steps involved because look what he says. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, this is a startling declaration. Look, Lord, here and now I give half, half of my possessions to the poor. Now, I already told you this guy's got a lot of money. This would have been a startling amount of money, half. It'd be like somebody coming in and meeting Jesus for the first time and saying, hey, who's very wealthy, Hey, I'm going to give half my, uh, my money to solve seven. I'm just going to give it all, half of it. And, he says, I'm not done. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, <laughs> if, if, he did. That, that, that was like a no-brainer. Not, it's not if, it's yes, you did. It's how you did. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Four times. Oh, my gosh. How much would that have been? 
How much money do you think he's going to pay back? It's going to be a bunch. So I see this as Zacchaeus. This is a wonderful thing because I see a change of heart, and that change of heart has affected his wallet, his time, his talent, his treasure. When you finally fall in love with Jesus, you understand who he is, it, it, it will radically redirect every part of your life. So he's going to pay back a ton. It shows you how much money he really has done. And he's trying to make restitution. Uh, and don't you know that guy out in the community? There's a guy who used to cheat people, and now he's give, he gave away half his wealth, and now he's paying back everybody four times. They were lined up because he had ripped off every one of those people. And notice what Jesus says to him, verse 9. Jesus says, today, right now, because of what I have seen, what I've heard, what I've witnessed, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Now notice he's not saying he's going to heaven, that his salvation has come just because he gave his money away. That was just the fruit. The root was his heart had changed, all because Jesus walked through his neighborhood. And then the summary statement, verse number 10 here, which is the one that applies to us. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus drives home the point here. Why did Jesus come? To seek and to save the lost. Why did he put this church here at Whitewater? To seek and save the lost. Why did he put you on your street? Besides getting chased by dogs. Why did he put you there? To seek and to save the lost. Your life is one of being life on mission. This is just such a wonderful story because Zacchaeus has a lot going for him. He lived in Jericho. It was the city of Palms. It was known for its rose gardens, honeycomb, balsam groves. He was physically short but financially prosperous, likely lived in an upscale home, although his neighbors despised him. In spite of all this, Jesus visits his street. He talks with him, and he gives him some next steps to follow, which Zacchaeus did. So the thing I'd like to focus on today as you lean into being for your street is how to discern what those next steps might look like for your neighbor, your friend, your coworker. After you listen to the story, after you have a discussion about Jesus, I'm encouraging you, I'm going to use this phrase, I'm encouraging you to be a resource provider, a resource provider. Once you figure out what it is that they need to do, the next right step for them, figure out what resources, what, what steps can be aligned to help them take a next step. And there are all kinds of next steps that we have and that you could think of. It might be a good book that you've been reading. It might be the bad seed, you know, that Laura read last week. It might be a video that you have recently sung. It might be a song. It might be a ministry or program that we have here so you can, like, invite them to an event. Uh, maybe if they're a woman, you're inviting them to breathe coming up or do day for a guy. It could be that you invite them to a th Thursday night service. It, it's a, a little smaller, and so people are kind of, you know, a little averse to large crowds. Man, Thursday is a great time to come. It might be a Sunday worship service. Some people like larger crowds, so they can be anonymous and sit in the back. Whenever, whatever the next step is, be a good inviter. Invest in that person, but then invite them to come. And it so touches my heart when I meet a new person, and I say, how'd you get here? And they say, this person invited me. Some of you are here tonight because somebody invited you. And I love it when I'm walking through before and after services, I watch out in the hallways and I'll see people standing over by our windows inside, watching outside for that person, that family, that friend, that neighbor that they've been working on a long time. They're just praying they come. They say, oh, David, they said they would come. And that, sometimes I've seen them very disappointed because they didn't show for whatever reason. I, that's happened to me. 
maybe that's happened to you, but sometimes that person appears and I can see the joy well up in them because they know their friend is coming that day and that's when they lean to me and say, don't mess up. <laughs> don't, don't, do, don't mess up. So before our streets means we're chaplains, we're servants for our street, our apartment, our school. And it applies, by the way, to work too. One of the greatest ministry areas that most of us can perform, especially those of us that work outside the home, is to be salt and light in our work world without being weird. So what you do on Monday is as important as what you do on Sunday and Thursday. So Chuck Proudfit from Work on Purpose is going to be here next Thursday and next Sunday uh, to talk about what that looks like. And he's an awesome, awesome testimony. And we're going to be talking to some people in our church who uh, work outside the home and talk about how they merge Jesus in their workplace. So listen, what I'm saying is that outreach is not just a theory that we talk about. It's a lifestyle that we practice around here all the time with all kinds of people. And you adjust your approach, your steps, by the individual person that you are talking to. This is how Paul did it in 1 Corinthians 9. This is kind of how I've always, this is kind of my philosophy of ministry and philosophy of doing uh, and inviting people. Though I am free and belong to no man, I have made myself a slave to everyone, Paul says, to win as many as possible. Notice the goal is to win people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. In other words, very religious people, I wanted to reach out to them. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. In other words, those that don't have anything to do with the Bible, don't know the scripture, the the Gentile world, I'm doing what I can to work with them, to win them. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become, this is the verse, this might be my life verse. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Other than sin, there's nothing that we, I won't do to win somebody who's lost. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So when he says I have become all things to all men, that's exactly what he means. To those with dogs, to those with cats, to the religious, the non-religious, to males and females, to the rich, to the poor, I have become all things to all men by all possible means to save some. So I want to close the service out today by showing you a very creative and simple way to have a conversation, a next steps discussion about Jesus with someone. And it's called the three circles. And uh, I'm going to bring Micah out because he's the one that kind of put me on to this. And uh, Micah's going to come out, and I'm going to have him bring uh, his board to, to write on here. Micah is like the king of whiteboard uh, flip chart drawings. I'm really impressed with him. So I'm going to have him come out, and I, I'm going to have him sketch this. this. This can be done on a napkin. This can be done because it's not like you carry a flip well, do you? I, do you I carry, carry a flip, flip chart, chart everywhere all the time. you go? Everywhere I go. In your neighborhood? Yeah. Well, if, yeah. if, if he'd been carrying a flip chart with him when he saw the dog, the dog wouldn't have got him. That's, <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's probably true. That's probably true. So, Micah, this yes. is, uh, I, I know you've been uh, sharing this. Yes. Three circles. So, yes. talk to us about what that is. And, and we want to lean into this. And it'll be on video. I know we're going to catch yep. you. Watch the service later yep. if you don't get all posted. But your bulletin has some circles. And in actually, it. I'd like you guys to do this. Uh, if you have a bulletin, I'd like you to pull it out, 
look at it, and this is an audience participation number, all right? So we're all going to, I just want you to draw what I'm drawing. I'm going to put it up here. You just do the same thing I'm doing. Uh, if you, uh, like my wife and I, when we sit together, then we'll only usually bring one bulletin. So just grab a Connect card out of the, uh, the seat in front of you, get something. So I would really love it if everybody gets you something to write on and something to write with. We good? David, I don't know how it is for you, but uh, when I start talking to people, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes people know that there are some problems in the world. Were you aware of this? I am aware. So I, I don't know if it's like turning on the news and seeing stuff, uh, scrolling my Facebook feed, just living life for a little bit. Uh, it doesn't take too long for us to realize that there's a lot of brokenness in our world. But the reality is it's not just our world that's broken, it's me, right? Yeah. I see my behavior with my kids sometimes. I see my behavior with my wife, other people, my boss. Like, I, I do things and I think, man, there's, why do I do that? Like, there's something wrong with me. You guys, you guys ever think there's something wrong with me? Uh, thank you. I, thank you. I see that hand. One or two. All right. So, uh, so this, we're going to draw in this circle over here on the top right. And this circle right here, just put like a little jagged mark here. This circle right here represents brokenness because the reality is there is nowhere in this world that is not touched by the brokenness of this world. There's still beautiful things, there's a lot of beauty and great stuff in the world because God made it good, but the reality is we see brokenness everywhere. But that's not God's original plan. That's not what God was trying to set up, right? Here's what he was doing. There's a second circle. A second circle, all right, the, the top left. Um, God's original plan was perfect. He set it up for it to be perfect. But the problem is that it didn't stay that way for very long because of people like us. See, I've known right and chosen wrong. I've known wrong and I've known wrong and done it anyway. The Bible calls that, it's a special word for that, sin, right? You guys have heard this. Sin just means doing stuff that's not God's way. And every time I sin, what's happening is I'm retreating from God's perfect plan and I'm moving myself back into brokenness. Brokenness is always the result of sin. There is no other, sometimes we think, well, maybe this won't, catch me out, or maybe I won't get in trouble for this, or maybe nobody will know. Brokenness is always the result of sin, all right? And what happens is when you get here, we get stuck here, right? It's easy to leave this circle. It's hard to leave this one, because what happens is once we get here, we get stuck, and we can't figure out how to get out, so we try to do new things, all right? So what we'll do is we'll, um, we'll, we'll try to get out by success, right? We're going to use success to get, out of, uh, to get out of brokenness, or maybe we're going to self-medicate, right? And that could be heroin or Facebook or Candy Crush or whatever your self-medication of choice is. Maybe, uh, maybe you just think, man, I'm just going to get out. I'm, I'm going to put all my energy into relationships, and that's going to get me out. Or maybe you're thinking, I'm just going to be really religious. I'm just going to be really moral and spiritual and go to church a lot, and that's going to get me out of my brokenness. And the problem is that all of these things, you might do them for a little while. They might, might start having some effect. But every one of these things, what it does drawing a little arrow back. Every one of these things, you can think of it like a bungee cord. Every one of these things is eventually going to pull you back. So you just push as hard as you can into being a successful, successful at your job, right? I'm just going to push as hard as I can at relationships. I'm going to push as hard as I can at, uh, at being a good person, right? That's, that's fine. I'm not against being a good person or doing well at your job. But if that's how we think we're going to escape brokenness, what happens is it's like a bungee. It just pulls us back. Has anybody experienced that? Saw a couple knots, all right? So here's the problem. God is not, uh, the problem is that we are, we are stuck here, but here's the solution. God is not unaware. God knows what's up, right? And so he sent, we're gonna, we're gonna add our third circle now. 
he sent the man named Jesus. Now we believe, if it's your first time here, you may not know this about us, we believe that Jesus was a real person, that he really walked around. If you had a time machine, you could, go, you could have gone and seen him, right? And more than that, we believe that he was actually, he actually died, was buried, and rose again. So he actually died, buried, and rose again. And I know if you're new to the, the Jesus thing, maybe you're thinking, man, that feels really unlikely. But I gotta tell you, that's not the part that's hard to believe. That's the easy part. The hard part is that everything that we have ever done wrong, every sin, every, um, every bit of like cosmic debt, if you wanna think about it that way, he took it and he crushed it, he canceled it, right? On the cross. And that is available to you, it's available to me. He died, his death on the cross is for everyone in the world. For God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave his one and only son, right? And this is for everybody. We, but it's a free gift and we can accept it. Now the way we accept it is basically, there's two, two things that we're doing to accept it. The first is we're gonna turn, right? We're going in a direction and we are, that's like a little, we're not worthy. Yeah. Uh, so, so we're going to turn. And so what that looks like is this. Um, the, the Bible word actually that gets used here a lot of times is repent. But I don't usually say repent because we mostly misunderstand what repent means. When I say repent, when you say repent, what we think of is like going to confession or apologizing, being sorry for stuff. That's not actually, I mean, that, that could be repentance. But repenting doesn't just mean stopping the bad stuff that you're doing. It could also be stopping the good stuff that you're doing, Right? Because all of these things are things that we need to repent of. When I'm making uh, my life about success, when I'm trying to get, to get out of brokenness by success, even, though, even if success is a good thing, if that's my way out, I gotta turn away from that, right? Not to be unsuccessful, but I, like, that can't be the thing. If I'm just, it's like, man, if I just get these relationships right, that's gonna fix it. I've gotta turn from putting my trust in those things. Hear me? So then we're gonna turn, and what's gonna, what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna say, you know what, I'm not the boss of my life, I'm not the king of my castle, uh, I'm gonna make Jesus the king. Jesus is gonna be the king. This is a problem for a lot of people that call themselves Christians, right? That, uh, that I have a belief that there is a God somewhere, therefore I'm a Christian. Being a Christian means following him, that I gotta put my life in his hands. And when I follow him, Paul says this, he says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's like shiny, right? Get a little worn there. He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, right? And so this is it. We follow him and he takes away our brokenness and restores us to God's perfect plan. Now here's the problem with that, right? Some people here have been Christians as long as I have or longer, right? What's wrong with that? We almost never stay there, right? I'm always going back over here. This is just my own sinful heart still. I'm going back over here and I'm trying to get my, my sustenance, get my foundation, get my life fixed by doing these things. And I have to keep going through this process of saying, God, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna surrender to you again. Now, you don't need to get baptized a million times, right? That's a, this is a one and done. But, uh, but I am, there's probably a million times in my life that I'm gonna say, okay, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I did it again. I did it again. And I'm gonna keep coming back and, and being restored to God's plan. And here's the last beautiful thing, right? God doesn't leave us here. This sin's gone, but we're still moving because we are being sent by God back into a broken world that needs his hope and his wholeness. 
That's it. So the sin is gone. We're not fleeing from God. We're being sent by God, and he's going with us back into a broken world, right? What are we about as a church? You guys have been coming for a long time. We've got a mission statement. We're going to, David, what's our mission statement? We're going to, to help people help find people hope in Jesus. And, and a, a home, home in his church, sure. right? So here's what we're going to do. We're bringing a message of hope, right? Mm. But what's the hope? The hope is uh, we're, you know, we're going to help people. I should say this. We're going to help people by bringing them a message of hope, right? And letting them, helping them to come home. And that's it. That's the job. That's job one for a Christian. That's what we're doing. And so we kind of get to choose which circle we get to live in. Does that make sense? We get to choose. Each one of us here gets to choose where we're going to live. And so maybe some of us are still here. You're here and you're like, man, I'm, I'm still in this broken circle, right? Some of us are kind of in process here. Some of us are like, no, I, I think I'm actually experiencing God's plan. But that's it, David. That's the three Good. circles. All right. Thank you. Let's give Mike a hand. Good. He's a much better artist than me. So this looks very complex right now because he's drawing all over it. So you can watch it again online, but basically three circles and it starts with brokenness because we're all kind of broke. And, uh, and this, this help and hope and home, it's all a part of the process. So take that away, Micah. I forgot I was supposed to take that with me. That's all right, take that with you. Now, even if you, again, you think, David, that's way too complicated for me. I could never do that. Well, you might be surprised. Start with what's not going right in their life or what's really going right, but it's not giving them hope. Then eventually you move to Jesus, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and then you're on the way to plugging into a church where there's a church home there. Even if you never draw those three circles for that person that you've been talking to, even if you never do that, you know what? Maybe tonight this was drawn up here not for you to help your friend. This was drawn up here for you. Because I think there may be some of you who are in that top right-hand circle right here tonight. You're in that state of brokenness. And we have good news for you. There's a person named Jesus who can get you out of that brokenness. He can give you life. And the cool thing is that maybe when Micah was drawing that, you're like thinking, I can see your brain. I see the smoke rising in some of your eyes and out of your head. David, that's me. That, that's why I'm so, things are not going well in my life. And I need somebody who has the truth and the serum and the cure and the antidote for my brokenness, my darkness, and my sin. And there's only one person that can do that, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this story, and then we're going to do something we haven't done in a long time. Uh, have you all heard of a guy named Louis Pasteur? Uh, famous, he's like the father of immunology. He was the one that first came up with the original vaccination, the inoculation for rabies. Now, should I have got sick? This is like really relevant to me right now. I am thankful for Louis Pasteur. But back when he lived, when, when rabid animals or dogs bit somebody, they got rabies, there was no cure. They died. And there was a little boy who got bit by a rabid dog when Louis Pasteur was living, and his name was Joseph Meister. And Mrs. Meister came to Louis Pasteur and said, listen, my boy got bit, he's going to die. I understand that you have been experimenting with a, a vaccination, a cure for rabies. Would you please inject my son? And he said, I've never tried it on a human. I don't, I don't know if I should do that. Uh, she, she begged him. She said, please, please, try it for my boy. He's going to die anyway. And so Louis Pasteur agreed, 
to inoculate Joseph Meister with the serum. The medical community railed against Louis Pasteur. They said, there's no way you should do that. It's untried, it's unfounded, you shouldn't do that. But he decided to do that. Wonderfully, miraculously, Joseph Meister, it worked, and he lived. And from that day on, people started to practice that kind of medicine. And when Louis Pasteur died, he could have put all kinds of things on his tombstone. He invented lots of stuff, cured lots of diseases. They could have put father in immunology. You know what Louis Pasteur had engraved on his tombstone? Three simple words. Joseph Meister lived. The thing that kept him going was that life came. He had and applied to someone on his street, so to speak, the thing that saved their life. And what we will be known for in this church are when people say, so-and-so lived because of the message. So-and-so lived because of Jesus. He's the one that cures the ultimate disease. It's the disease of sin. And that chart is a simple explanation of the cure that can come from not rabies, but sin. And so we're going to do something a little bit different. We'll see what happens. I sense the Holy Spirit might be ready to do something tonight, even tonight or tomorrow, uh, or Sunday in our service. And so I'm just going to have you stand, and uh, I've asked Laura and our team to come back and do a song of decision for us. Okay, would you stand up? We've done an invitation song in a lot of time. We're having a ton of baptisms all the time. I just, God's Spirit is doing something. And so I just say, you know what? If something that was said tonight, something drawn tonight, something in your heart that's a spirit, I'm going to pray. And as we do this song, we'll just worship. But if you have a song, if you have a decision, you have a step, this might be the next right step for you that you want to make for Jesus. I'm going to be down here with some of our uh, leaders and our decision team. We'd love to talk to you about it. It might be membership. It might be rededication. It might be prayer. It might be baptism. We got the covers off. The water's warm. We'll do it right after the service is over. I don't know what your next step is to get out of brokenness, what your cure is that you have considered is, but Christ is the cure for what you're going to do. So I want to pray. We're going to sing. And if you want to come, I'm going to come right there on the floor. Come up here. Talk to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the wonderful way that you have worked in this church in countless other days, countless other moments, countless other services, God. And so thank you for the story of Joseph Meister and Louis Pasteur. But God, thank you mostly and more importantly for the story of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate cure for what ails us. So in this very room, I know there is someone who needs to make a step of decision. And so without begging or pleading, God, we're just going to sing and invite them to come and take the next right step. Even in this room, Holy Spirit, there may be someone who needs to lean more and take a step toward Jesus Christ, who believes and is willing to turn, that's the word Micah used on our chart, and confess, and maybe even tonight or one day soon this week be baptized to put on Christ. And so now, God, this is a song of statement for what we believe. And as we sing it, may we worship and recommit our lives to you and sharing that message. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As Lord leads us, come on up.